Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often, they push themselves out of their comfort zone and took risks. We want to know about that decision point, why did they make that decision, and most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abracci Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior. And in it, we have a leadership model, Charge, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. It's Carrie. I am so excited to have our guest, Marsha Anglerell. I have known her what it seems like forever. She has personally changed my life, so I cannot wait to hear about her story. So get ready for her intro for a trip around the world because Marsha has been around the world. So let's let's introduce her. Marsha is currently the cultural affairs officer for this Venezuela Affairs Unit in Bogota, Colombia. Prior to this, she served as the public diplomacy desk officer for Andean Affairs in the Bureau of Western Hemisphere Affairs. The longest titles ever, Marsha. I love it. And you can see how I can't pronounce anything. She covered Bolivia, Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, and Venezuela. She has been a foreign service officer in the State Department of the United States for nearly 17 years. Prior assignments include the U.S. Embassy in Hanoi as the Cultural Affairs Officer, the Cultural Coordinator for the Bureau of East Asian Pacific Affairs Public Diplomacy Office, Public Affairs Officer at the U.S. Consulate General in Peshawar, and Assistant Information Officer at the U.S. Embassy in Bogota. So yes, she's back in Bogota. She has also served as a political and economic officer at the U.S. Consulate in Monterey and the consular officer in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Prior to joining the Foreign Service, Marsha worked for various NGOs as a program director, trainer, facilitator, and communications assistant. She was a Peace Corps volunteer in Costa Rica from 1998 to 2000. Marsha has a bachelor's degree in political science from Clemson University and a master's degree in international peace and conflict resolution from American. Go American. That's where we met. She was born in Washington, D.C. to Bolivian parents. She is married and a mother to an 11-year-old beagle named Kenna. Marsha, that was a lot for me to say. That was a lot of public cultural affairs, cultural coordinators. You have done it, girl. You have like the longest titles. I love it. Um, So I'll let Kelly ask the first question. I can't wait. Welcome, Marsha. So glad to have you on our podcast today. So for our first question, what is the show, podcast, book, blog that you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Well, first of all, thank you both for having me on. It's really great to be here. Um, For this one, you know, the first one that came to my mind was uh, John Oliver's show. Uh, Just feel like it gives me a bit of a deep dive into issues that I'm already interested in or introduces me into you know, subjects that I may not have thought about before. Um, but I'd have to say also in terms of podcasts, I really like Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History um, or This American Life when, when I kind of want to just expand my 
my knowledge on different issues. I love that, Marsha. Malcolm, the revisionist history, so interesting and how to look at things differently. And I've just learned so much. I'm a season behind. Uh, This season I haven't listened to yet, but it's such a good one. And then the John Oliver, some good, funny uh, with the tragedies that sometimes happen, but he has a good spin on it too. So thank you, Marsha. Thank you. Thank you. We have another question for you, which is, this is the bulk of it, right? This is your inspirational story. What decision changed the trajectory of your life and which of those charged qualities that we talked about earlier in the intro did you use to help you make that decision? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, for me, it was really my decision to apply for the Foreign Service, um, U.S. Foreign Service, which is a long, really long application and difficult process. So it was kind of trying to get into the mindset that I should go for it because I had heard for so long that it's not an easy test to pass. There are several layers that you have to go through to get through, um, to even be considered. So, you know, it was a point for me where I had to sort of build up my self-confidence, say, hey, just try it. You got nothing to lose. Um, And that idea sort of came to me after the Peace Corps and having that overseas experience that made me realize I really liked that experience and I wanted to make that part of my career. Um, So what did it for me, at least in thinking in terms of um, the charge, policy that you that you all follow, which I think is really great. Uh, for me, it was being goal-oriented. That's that's what really was my focus to go for this because that was my goal, right? You know, I was at a point in my career where I was like, okay, what exactly is going to be my long-term career? Um, and so that was a, what I chose um, and, and I focused on that. Um, but in the process, because it is, you know, tough to get to get through or pass the foreign service test, um, I found that resiliency was the second thing that really helped me um, to get into it because very few people pass on the first time. I had to take it twice. The te- this is just a written test because after that, you have to pass an oral exam as well. Um, and when I took it, it was an easier process to become, in fact, a little bit uh, more layered uh, since then. So I didn't pass either the written test or even the oral exam the first time. So I had to take through the whole process a couple of times. Um, and I had to, you know, you know, basically bounce back from that first failure um, to learn from that and, you know, work harder um, to to try again. And I'm glad I did because um, I made it through on the second time. Yeah, I love that. For those, I'm going to dig into some of the things that you said. For those who don't know, because I certainly didn't know until I knew you, the Foreign Service Officers Test, I'm sure I said it wrong, but is really difficult. Can you tell us just a little bit about the timeline? Because when you talk, when you said goal orientation or goal oriented, Marsha, I was like also resilient. So I'm so glad you said that because I was going to say it for you. Because I'm like, you have to be so resilient just just to go through. The, it's a marathon to go through this test. And like you said, so many people don't pass it. And I know you had to to do part of it again. Can you just tell? Uh, us just more detail on how difficult and how long that test is in terms of just taking it for the day, but then also the amount of months it took for you to get prepared for it and, and to take it. Yeah, sure. Um, it could take about a year. Um, you know, there's been times that I've heard it can even take up to two years. I, I believe it's around a year uh, right now because you do have to, you know, first take the written test. And of course that does take preparation. I I feel like I studied for at least 
two to three months, you know, if not longer before the first test, the first time I took it. And then if you get past that, then, um, and it can take a while to get the results from that. But if you get past that, then you'll be invited to do the oral exam. And that will be in, um, you know, those those tests, both the written and the oral exam are only offered certain times of year. Um, I believe sometimes only once or twice a year. So there can be a lot of time, you know, between when you plan to take the written test and then when you get offered to take the oral test. And then if you pass the oral test, at least there, you're told that day whether or not you'll be put onto a list, basically a waiting list, um, to then be offered uh, to join the training orientation class. Um, and that's about six weeks. So uh, once you get through that, then you're a foreign service officer. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely requires commitment, you know, to sort of plan your life around that because in the meantime, obviously you can be working, um, you know, you're, you're being in a situation where you might have to leave your job if you get offered to do this or take time off, you know, to be able to go and take the tests. Um, so it, it is a really drawn out process. And as I mentioned, um, that's changed since I took the test because now there's uh, an essay um, portion that you have to do first at the beginning before you take the written test. You have to get recommendation letters and answer a series of short essays. And if you get past that, then you'll get invited to take the written test and then the oral exam. So, yeah. <laughs> so the amount of resilience that you had to take, that you had to have to get through it is so impressive. Um, and I know we're going to get to how, what kind of advice do you have for people, but I also want to dig into the goal orientation. So you mentioned that that's what, what started this is like, you have this goal and so tell me about kind of how did you even, even earlier kind of know that you wanted to be of service and be international and, and where did that come from? Yeah, well, when I first joined, it was, you know, very early internet time. So there wasn't a lot of information about the, the foreign service that was easily accessible. I had kind of heard about it and I probably first heard about it in college. And since I was, you know, studying international relations, you know, it, it appealed to me right away. But I didn't have a whole lot of information. I didn't think about it seriously. So it wasn't until I did the Peace Corps um, that I decided, uh, you know, yeah, this, this this sounds great. You know, I want to keep doing this. We're sort of, you know, being a representative of my country overseas. Um, and the Foreign Service was the perfect fit, I felt, for that. Um, but it still took a while, even after, you know, I, I returned to, to the States after um, Peace Corps um, to you know, decide that I really wanted to do this because of course I came back and started looking for jobs and I was in a job that I enjoyed, but I knew wasn't something I wanted to do long-term. So, uh, you know, I had to make a decision. I mean, do I want to sort of keep looking for jobs, which at the time was working in the NGO field in DC, or do I want to go and really um, pursue this more international career? Mm -hmm. And I think what, what was that if you look, Marsha, what's that drive that was in you? Because you gave, you give, you still give up a lot. You don't see family, you move every two to three years, and you are definitely in service to other people. That's the whole point of, of being in the in foreign service. Like you said, you want to be that ambassador for our country in other countries. What is that drive in you that, that kept you going, the resilience and the goal orientation but what else about being of service and and remove you know giving up some of the things in your in your life to do this? Well, I'd say it's, it's also you know um, a passion for you know learning about other cultures, languages, seeing the world. 
Um, so, you know, it's great to travel um, and visit places, but what the experience you get as a tourist obviously is very different from living in a country and being part of a community and really getting to know the people, you know, their daily lives, the culture. Um, and I love that part. Um, even after 17 years, I still love that part. Um, yes, it's hard to be moving around every few years and being away from family and friends in the States. Um, but you're constantly learning, you're constantly growing, you're constantly expanding, you know, your worldview. Um, and, and that definitely is probably the biggest drive for me. I love that. It's so, to me, it's so, you're so inspirational from the fact that you have given up so much of what some people find very comforting, right? I'm in the same city all the time. I see my brothers and sisters all the time. And you've said, no, there's something bigger and that worldview and being an ambassador for us and representing our country. Um, and then also it just, it's a lot of hard work to, to move and, and to take that test, like you said, and to have that resiliency and that just focusing on the goals all the time is so impressive and just really inspirational for others. And I know that we want to talk about kind of advice, Kel. Absolutely. So as I'm listening to you, it, it is such an inspiration to hear from someone who really does think about not only others, even in front of in front of yourself, but also that that drive, that enthusiasm for giving back and finding ways in which you can, um, you know, find the joy in in what you're doing is is incredible. So based on what you learned from the decision that you made to join the Foreign Service and to really, you know, follow your goals, set your goals high, and to have the resiliency to not only after having not, you know, passed the test the first time to do it yet again, what are the top two to three actions that you think our listeners can take? Yeah, for me, because my uh, focus was more goal-oriented, I would say the first thing would be to make a plan, right? Because if you have a goal, then you have to make a plan for how you're going to get there. Like, what do you need to do? What steps do you have to take, um, you know, to achieve that goal? Um, so for me, you know, of course, it was test preparation, you know, first for the written test. So deciding, you know, what kind of things I was going to study, where I was going to get the information. And again, this was still, you know, pre or very early internet. So, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, what magazines, what newspapers should I read? Um, you know, who do I talk to? Um, how much news do I watch? Because, you know, the test is covers a lot of ground, not just, you know, uh, it's American history, it's world history, it's, you know, informatics, um, you know, information, English language, all of that. Um, and for example, one of the things I did was, and I think this might have been advice from somebody is um, read The Economist, you know, um, because that provides a lot of information about what's happening overseas and foreign policy. Um, and I still advise that to people nowadays um, who are interested in taking the written test. It's like, read The Economist. Um, and then the second thing would be to, you know, seek input and guidance from others. Um, find a mentor, maybe somebody who's already in the Foreign Service or, you know, somebody who's in a similar field. Um, and again, now with the Internet, it's so much easier to to do that. Um, and I found that for me, this this actually wasn't something that I did do at the time, but that I kind of learned more afterwards um, about not being able, not being afraid to ask for help and seek out mentors. Um, and, you know, as, as a, as a Latina, uh, first generation, you know, for our immigrant family, um, this is not something that, that was really, um, you know, part of my nature or my instinct to, to do that. 
you know, whereas, you know, for others, it, it's natural to grow up in, in, a, in a culture community where they have a built-in network and there are people that are naturally mentors that are telling them, well, this is what you got to do if you want to get into this. You know, this is like a hard elite thing to get into and, and here's who you should be talking to. Um, I didn't really know that at the time, but I absolutely would advise people to do that. Find ways, you know, to to get that insider, you know, information if you can, um, you know, or, or just, you know, people who can point you in the right direction. Oh, Marsha, I'm sitting here. If you could see me, I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Amen. 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 I, I like first on the plan, just making that plan is so important. And I think especially now with so many people who are at crossroads for various reasons with the, with the pandemic, with you may have a job and maybe that's not the job you're deciding you really want because you have a lot of downtime to think about it. You may not have a job and you've been laid off and now you really have to reinvent yourself. And I think that like you said, that goal and then what is your plan? So it's fine to have a goal. We always joke about losing weight because um, most people can understand that it's fine to say, I want to lose weight, but if you don't have a plan and I love how you're learn, read things. So you had me there and then Marsha in love with the guidance and seek input and ask for help. And that mentorship is so important. And I think for you to even kind of reflect on your own culture and go, you know what, this is hard because you did not come from a family of foreign service officers. This was all new to you. This was not like you could have asked your aunts and uncles um, who are in the business and get their advice. And I think for so many of us, again, especially now, it's hard to ask for help and asking for it and working with a mentor. I mean, I wish oy, that I had a mentor 20 years ago. I think about how different my life might've been and that mentor and asking for help. And most people want to talk about what they've done. It's not that it's scarier to ask. Most people would love to tell you, Hey, let me tell you about my career, what I did. And so I love, and I love that you're still learning that lesson too, because we can keep learning that and asking for help and guidance. So that was good. So for, for, let me just recap one more time, plan, make goals, get guidance from a mentor, ask for help. I can, uh, I just love it. You just made my day, Marsha, as usual. So <laughs> thank you. No, exactly. Always learning. Always learning. I love it. Kelly, do you have what? Are, what are your thoughts on the actions? We love action here, Kelly and Kelly and I. So we could probably have an entire podcast dedicated to just your actions. So we might we'll calm ourselves down. <laughs> well, the plan I love because we operate so much from a plan, and having a good plan allows you to see where you know am I on course to hit my goals? Uh, do I need to make a quick adjustment? What does that adjustment look like? Uh, and then, of course, asking for help, being the accommodator I am. You know, I'd love to help people. So it's always nice to be able to recognize. And whenever you do ask for help, people do come and help you. I mean, there is a beautiful quality to that, um, especially when you do realize that we aren't islands unto ourselves. You know, there are a lot of people who have gone through similar situations as us. And when you can recognize that and you notice that, um, things start to come together. So I'm just so inspired by your story, Marsha. Uh, you blazed your own trail. You created the life you wanted to create for yourself. Um, thank you for, you know, living the life that you do and, and for putting your country first and for thinking of others before you think of yourself. I know it's an incredibly selfless 
um, act that you're doing and a life that you're leading. Um, and it just, it's, it's one that just moves me. It makes me feel like everything I do is just so minuscule, to be honest. So, um, it's, it's quite uh, a phenomenal gift that you have and that you're giving to others. Well, thank you for the opportunity to really uh, look back and reflect on my experience and, you know, uh, giving me this opportunity to share with others. It's been great. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Marsha. This was wonderful. And, um, you know, I think I'm really biased toward Marsha anyway, as we all know, since I told you I've known her forever. Um, But it's such a great story to listen to and so inspirational. And Kelly summed it up wonderfully. And again, thank you, Marsha, for being a part of it. Thank you for inspiring others because you are inspiration. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember to uh, subscribe and join us again. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abrachigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.